Let's pray together. Our loving Father, we ask that as we look at this, your living word, that the word of Jesus Christ, who is the true and ever-living word, may be clear to us and we may find our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit coming more in line ever with your will and purpose. Hear us as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's rather a lot going on today, as you've probably noticed. Uh, I've been told it's got to be short. Talking to Baptists about short sermons is a bad move, I have to say, but still I'll, I'll do my best. Um, we've got anniversaries, we've got inductions, we've got welcomings, we've got affirmings. What do I underline? What do I talk about? Well, I suppose we could talk about unity. That's a good thing. I came across this definition of unity in Adrian Plassey's A to Z. Um, unity, the bond that automatically joins all those who love Jesus. Definitely not an informal agreement. We all hate the Baptists. Um, I'm rather pleased about that one, I have to say, indeed. And I was also pleased, actually, when I looked at the, the readings for today from the Revised Lectionary, that's what we were looking at today, because as often does seem to happen, the relevance of them immediately sort of leapt out to me. In both of those instances, God's people were facing challenging times, which is our sort of, uh, you know, new speak for having a real rough time, basically. In the first instance, God's people had been in exile, they'd returned back to, to the Promised Land, and the temple which had been destroyed, they started to rebuild it. And it was they were having a rough time of it, to be perfectly honest. So they were focusing on trying to get a worthy building up. I don't know if that rings any bells with anybody at all. It might do, possibly. And in the other session, in the other section in the New Testament, here again with God's people, wrestling here with all sorts of strange ideas and philosophies that were bouncing around, ideas that Jesus had come and already and then gone again and back and forth. And so we don't really quite know all that was going on, but it was a confusing time of thought and a, a time of opportunity, therefore, because of that. And I don't know if that rings any bells either. It might well do. In fact, it should do. And it seems to me that from those two passages, two important things arise. The building wasn't complete. It wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't the size and that it uh, should be. It didn't have the appeal that they thought it should have. But God had some further ideas about it. There were two words that are mentioned in the passage that were significant. He was going to make his building a place of glory and of peace. Now, some of you out there probably know an awful lot more about Hebrew than I know, because I don't know a lot about it. I've managed to get this far rather cunningly by minimal knowledge of it. But what I do know about Hebrew is this, two things really. is One, that it's, it's, it's a, a language of few words, actually, certainly than the many others. But the words it has are often big words, in the sense that they bear much meaning, significant, strong meaning. So the word glory has the connotation of real weight and presence upon it. So that God is looking for a building that will be full of his presence, tangibly. Something that people, when they walk in the door, are affected by. That they meet and know the living God. But also a place of peace. Another, Well, you all know the Hebrew word for peace. It's shalom. But that's a word, again, that's a big word that stretches beyond simply the notion that people are not arguing with one another and goes beyond to the sense of well-being, well-being physically, well-being mentally, well-being spiritually. 
in essence, the desire that God has for all of his creation, that it should have been like and will be like in Jesus Christ, of completeness and wholeness. That's what God wants in his place that people may experience. So that people who are diminished by life might come in and find themselves uplifted. The people who find themselves laid low by life might come in and find that there's someone to pick them up and lift them up, that someone being God. The people who are confused in life and are wondering how to handle the various ethical and moral problems that face them can come in and find some guidance and help and clarity that those who in their own souls and spirits know deeply the conviction of wrongness that is actually there in all human beings because we live in a broken world that we contribute to, people who come in like that may hear words of forgiveness, may hear words of renewal, may hear words and find the place of restoration. This is what God wants for his place. I suppose to summarise it, God wants a place of peace in that way. That's what we want to be about wherever we seek to be God's people. But the second passage reminds us of another important thing that we've already sung about. Places need people. And indeed, a place without people isn't actually the place God wants because it's people who live in them and who fill them out with their, their lives and their ideas. So Paul encourages the Thessalonians to hold on to what they know and have experienced of God. They're under pressure, they're in challenging times, they're in difficulties, but he says hold on to what you already know. For simply two things, God loves you. Verse 16 makes that very clear. Recall how much God cares for you. You may want to recall that you don't deserve it, that's good, but he still loves you. You may want to recall that sometimes you feel deeply unworthy of it. Well, okay, that's good, but he loves you. You may think that you, you're not really quite up to all the tasks that these wretched preachers lay on you when they come in with their guilt trips and so on, that I'm sure Peter and Ian do regularly. You know. But God loves you. And therefore, sustained by that recognition of how God feels about you, that's what keeps us going, as it were. Coupled with, also in verse 16, God also graces you. God's grace is upon you. Another big word. A big word that can take much thinking and much preaching, but it will only get a short one at the moment. It simply reminds us that God has given us life as a gift. There's so much about God which is giftedness, graceness, things undeserved that he pours upon us regularly by way of the life that we lead, by way of the people that he brings us into contact with, by way of the gift of his Holy Spirit that he has settled in our hearts of all those who put their trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to continually remind us of God's grace and love for us. But within that setting, just one important thing. Paul talks about how God has called the Thessalonians. That chosen them, set them as something special. Not something special in the sense of apart from everybody else, but rather to be a special people that becomes a channel for others to discover their specialness in God himself. The words that Paul uses, salvation, sanctification, faith, truth, well, talk about them for a long time but they are all words that essentially arise in God. 
And I guess if you forget everything else that may have happened this day, don't forget this, it all comes from God. And our focus upon him and our walk with him and our life with him, that's what will energise our care for others. That's what will make authentic our witness to others. That's what makes life in our families and amongst our friends the joyful thing that it really is meant to be because it's God energising all of that in us because it's all his idea in the first place. Our humanity is something that's created in the image of God. There's definitely something about God, about human beings, especially when as a community of God's people, they live together, recognising the love and the grace that's upon them. And that, therefore, gives something very important. It gives a people under pressured and difficult circumstances real hope, real hope, that whatever challenges may come, they can be overcome that whatever problems arise, there are going to be some solutions. That whatever difficulties may happen, there is hope. That may be why Paul was a little bit uh, annoyed at folk who were saying, well, Jesus has already come back, because no, he hasn't. That's the hope. (laughs) There is coming a time when the kingdom in its reality and its fullness will be established. It's not there yet. We're still living in the between times. But in that between time, There is God's spirit as the first fruits of it all. There is the presence of Jesus Christ in the spirit. And there is the hope that's given to us. A place of peace needs a people of hope. And I trust that that's what we are about today. Both in Haggai and in Thessalonians, God's encouraging his people, take courage, keep going, don't stop. Don't think you've arrived. Be a travelling people, even though you've got a nice tabernacle here now. Uh, It used to be a Baptist habit to call their churches tabernacles, their church buildings tabernacles, implying that they were moving things. Have to say, that didn't always work out like that, did it, Ian? We have to say that, be perfectly honest. But it is an attitude that perhaps we need to just recover. Buildings are wonderful and used in the right way. They are, if you like, an incarnation of the welcome God gives us in Jesus Christ, of the love he shares with us in Jesus Christ and so on. But they're not the be-all and end-all. It is in the hearts and the minds and the lives of God's people who inhabit such places that people will encounter the living God, have encountered here already the living God, and will encounter We trust and pray the living God. We're a people of hope in all things and a people who can minister and mediate God's peace to those who need it. And, incidentally, enjoy it ourselves too, which is where our celebration and our worship arises because of God's love and care for us. Let's be quiet for just a few moments of reflection and prayer before we come to share in the Lord's Supper together. Lord, you are good to us beyond our imagining or our deserving, even beyond our capacity for joy. 
So we pray that as we have heard your word, you will establish in our hearts peace and hope and joy in anticipating the more that you will do and you will be for us and with us. So that we may be people who truly and authentically live out the life of Jesus Christ with no pretense, but simply as people who in their everyday lives have allowed, as it were, the Spirit of God to walk around in our shoes and to present that same love and that same grace that we know to others around us, that the hope that you've given us in Jesus Christ may be like a beacon over a hopeless world and point it to the one who has loved it beyond its wildest imaginings and who has given hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, please hear our prayers in his name.